field. To another episode of You Have Failed with me, Sam Vader, where once again we are going to be talking about Attack on Titan because honestly we have just got potentially the best episode of Attack on Titan ever. And it's not even potentially, I just think definitely that was such a good episode. Um, it was, ugh, I hardly remember the name of the title, it was episode 79, what? Memories of the Future, I think is the exact title. Um, off the top of my head, but I could be completely wrong with that. So uh, take that with a grain of salt, the actual title. But oh my god, what a masterpiece of an episode that was. I'd like to give a disclaimer as well. Uh, my dog is once again here. Hi Finn, looking very cute. Hopefully he won't make too much noise. If he does, we'll have to see what happens. But he's here. He, uh, he's a big Attack on Titan fan himself. Um, not through choice, mind you. He just has to watch it with me. But he's here. He's looking lovely. Very handsome. Uh, we just got in from a walk. And now I am recording this episode of You Have Failed. Because it goes up today. Um, hopefully, providing this recording goes well. Um, but obviously, before we get into that, let's mention that we at Sigil Arts still support Black Lives Matter. Because we think it's a very, very, very important cause. And equality should be achieved for all, a theme that runs very deeply in Attack on Titan. Um, so yeah, you can support it by going to websites like www.blacklivesmatter.com or, you know, through other means such as using hashtags Black Lives Matter and hashtags BLM on social media to keep the conversation going and, you know, make sure the convers- the topic doesn't just die out now that the big fad for it is, has, has left the media. Um, but without further ado... Oh my god, Attack on Titan. And oh my god, Eren Yeager. Like, I've, I've known this episode's been coming for a while. This is one of the things I did know was going to happen. And, um... Oh my god, Eren Yeager, I love you. You're, you're the best. Um, but I think we'll save the, the Eren love and breakdown. Uh, more so for the, the latter part of this episode... Um, but that's hard because this episode is all about Eren um, so it's hard to break down the episode without talking about Eren um, because as I say he's very much front and centre in this episode which obviously I love as a major Eren fan he's my favourite character of all time at this point um, part of me still wants to say he's joint first with Darth Vader just because I have that nostalgic attachment to Darth Vader um, but I'm almost like 99% sure that Eren Yeager has just taken the cake at this point and is just my favourite fictional character regardless um, because he's incredible um, but um, yeah that was my you might have just heard my dog I, I don't know if you heard that but my dog just flapped his ears it makes a funny sound anyway moving on Zeke um, I still hate Zeke I I know they're trying to go for the whole sympathy route with him at the moment because they're trying to make it seem like he's not that bad. But he is... Because, right, and obviously, all things considered, slightly going into Eren a bit here, yes, you do find out that he's always been slightly psychotic, even from the from a child, right? And, yeah, he is. I'm not denying that. Eren has always had that unhinged side to him. Um, you know that. No, if people are going to steal my freedom, I'll steal theirs first. It's a very powerful line. But whilst psychotic, he still has mercy. He He's not showing it at the moment, but I still very much believe that he has mercy. He feels bad about the lives that he's having to take 
to ensure freedom. Um, and that's where I, 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 I differentiate him and Zeke. Because yes, okay, Erin has probably done things that are far worse and is going to do things that are far worse as we know he wants to go forward with the rumbling. But at least he feels bad. At least he doesn't want to have to kill people. And yes, in the past, he has, he has justified these murders. In other words, so when he saved Mikasa, which is a, a very powerful scene in this episode, you know, you once again see the bit where he's like, no, they were animals just disguised as humans. This, he has this way of, of, of justifying to himself why, why it's okay. And I think that's a big part of Eren, is, is his, his own inner monologue, where he rewrites the story so he can better live with what he's done um, as opposed to facing the blatant truth that he's killed two people uh, but you've also got the other side of him that is slightly psychotic and definitely believes it like part of Aaron definitely believes that those two men that he killed to save Mikasa were not real people they were monsters disguised as people obviously which at the time was massive foreshadowing for Aaron himself uh, a monster disguised as a person later sort of retconned in a way in the um, My War opening where it says Angel playing disguised with Devil's Face, which I'm still convinced is Eren. That is Eren playing the villain whilst really being a good person still. He, he's pretending to be this, this evil sociopath like his brother whilst really, really just wanting to save his friends. And that, that's the big differentiation between Zeke and, and Eren. And obviously I will try and talk more about Eren later on. But Zeke is still a sociopath in the terms of he hasn't felt any mercy for the lives he's taken. He sees it all as a mercy to kill them. Whereas Eren fully acknowledges that what he has done is murder, whether it's to animals, quote-unquote monsters, or people, he admits that what he's done is murder. He has taken lives. He, he has, you know, cut someone else's freedom short in pursuit of his own. And there's guilt that weighs on him for that. And yes, he, he tries not to show it. In this episode, he doesn't really show it at all. He He's full-on psycho Eren in this episode. Um, but it's still Eren. You've seen it in the past, and I'm sure we'll see it in the future, that guilt and regret he feels towards what he feels is necessary. Because, I mean, the cruel reality is it's a dog-eat-dog world. And to survive, sometimes you have to push someone else down and... The harshness is that's what happens in the real world because, I mean, recently, this is something I didn't mention, I got promoted at work and I, I got that supervisor job and, you know, to get it, I had to beat other people to it. And in that regard, it's a very similar thing. You know, you've got to beat other people to get where you want to go. You've got to beat someone to that job. You've got to beat, you know, this, that and the other. And that's just the way the world works. But Zeke is a different monster altogether because he has never once showed mercy he doesn't feel bad he thinks it's a shame he he doesn't regard taking life as a bad thing he regards it as a mercy and that is something a serial killer would say you know i've, I've done them a favor by killing them this time and it's that's not how life works that's not how any of this works that's just zeke's own sociopathic justification whereas erin's psychotic justification still involves the guilt and accepting that you've taken life and and that's the interesting thing but yeah I can't feel sorry for Zeke however the character work they did on him and this is the thing as much as I hate Zeke as a human being um I I can't help but 
appreciate how much of a well-written character he is. Because yes, he's ugly. Yes, he's a dickhead. Yes, he killed my boy Irvin. But I wouldn't hate him as much as I do if he wasn't so well-written. If he wasn't written so well that I could actually despise him like I would a real person. And that is... And I can't avoid and deny how well-written he is. He's... His journey, obviously, through this episode was trying to convince Erin that Grisha had brainwashed him, this, that, and the other, that they were him and Erin were the same, bloody, bloody, blah, and obviously, that's not what happens. Uh, someone else was uh, in the steering wheel, the uh, in the driver's seat, sorry, the whole time, <laughs> but we'll get to him. We will get to him and properly dissect what an absolute legend he is and how much I love him. Um... But yeah, Zeke, Zeke's goal, and obviously the moments he realised that no, Grisha genuinely loved Eren, the hurt on his face, oh, it was priceless. I could watch that over and over again, just watching him constantly in emotional pain. Emotional damage. Um, yeah, I'm not going to put in an actual sound effect, so that's all you're getting. Um, <laughs> just watching that was, was incredible, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> just seeing how you know, Grisha just allowed Erin to grow up. And it was at this point, obviously, Zeke became, started to become very nervous as he started to realise that maybe Erin wasn't brainwashed. Maybe, maybe Erin always was this way. And it was not until the end of the episode that he realises just how extreme um, the case of Erin always being like this was. Um, but yeah, watching that and, and obviously... You then get the big reveal at the end where Grisha tells Zeke that he loved him and he misses him. And that was... If I cared for Zeke, it would have been a very moving moment. Because it is a very powerful moment. It's that moment Zeke realises that the father he knew wasn't really the father he knew. Um, Obviously, because you've had some other revelations before this. But you realise that his father genuinely did love him, did regret what he'd done to him. And you see this previously in the episode where Grisha's asleep at his table in the basement... And he has the picture of Dinah and Zeke, where Zeke starts to realise that Grisha never forgot them. He always felt bad, he always felt guilty. And it was really this guilt that pushed him to give Eren a normal life, because he realised the error of his ways, um, to an extent. And the powerful moment where you first see Grisha, and this obviously, for people who didn't know, was a very big moment, where you see Grisha go to the church for the first time, the, the, the Rice family church. And he's about to go in and and steal the founder. And then he doesn't. And you realise he doesn't because he doesn't want to put Eren through what he put Zeke through. And he goes home and he hugs Eren. And, you know, it's a really, really beautiful moment. And and, and Zeke's realisation of, oh, my God, this... What's going on? This isn't right. Um, And he realises that, obviously, Grisha loves Eren. That's why he didn't do it. And he did love Zeke the whole time. Um... It's very, very powerful, and I say the bit where he he hugs him and tells him that he loves him. Um, it's such a good moment, and uh, even for someone who hates Zeke, it's a very powerful moment in the series. Because one hand, yeah, Zeke's finally realised the truth of his father, but on the other hand, Zeke's finally realised the truth of his brother, and in and it mm, it's so good and. Yeah, it's incredible. For an episode that's very light on everyone else, the focus on Eren is incredible. Um, 
and and Zeke and yes, once again, I hate Zeke. I do. I really hate Zeke. I've made it clear a thousand times. I would stab him over and over again, and this is my inner Eren coming out at this point. Really, um, I can't stand Zeke. However, his character development and his character arc is a very interesting one. Yes, he's someone I despise, but I can't take my despisal of the character away from the genius of the writing behind that character. And that's where, you know, I praise Isayama for writing such a complicated character who, yes, I hate, but I can still appreciate the genius and the nuances of his writing and the fact that he is the tragic brother in this who, who just wanted a family and the family that he left behind genuinely did love him and the family that he found was Eren, who didn't care for him at all, really. He just needed to get his own ends. Um, so moving away from Zeke for a little bit, Grisha. Grisha, Grisha, Grisha. I've hinted before that I didn't think Grisha was as bad as everyone else thought he was. And I can finally tell you why now. It's because of this episode, or this chapter, if, obviously I knew from the manga. This is a, a chapter I had read. Um, he's... It's really hard to explain because he's still not a great dad because a lot of his actions were still his own. He wasn't influenced by you-know-who, Mr. Ellen Yeager. He wasn't influ <laughs> influenced, that's not a word, influenced, influenced, in, in, oh, I hate myself, influenced by Erin the whole time. You know, a lot of his actions were his own. He did push Zeke too hard. That was on him. He did take his sisters outside the walls. That was on him. You know, he had made a lot of mistakes and he was cruel and uncaring to Zeke in, you know, in a way, in that passionate moment, um, trying to free Eldia. And um, that wasn't Eren's manipulation, technically. Eren wasn't manipulating Zeke, no, um, Grisha at that point. He was, um, yeah, it's... It's complicated. We'll get to that in a bit. Um, so, you know, he wasn't the greatest dad in the world. But he's also not an awful person. You know, he did genuinely love both of his sons. Like, genuinely, genuinely love both of his sons. He was a... He wasn't a perfect father. He was... a Not even a good father, but he was a good father. It's really hard to explain, because, yeah, he was bad. To Zeke, especially, he, he was bad. Um... Erin, yeah, well, not so much, <laughs> well, not of his own choice was he a bad father to Erin, um, I'm so glad I can finally stop lying about that by going, oh yeah, you know, he raised Erin as a lamb to the slaughter, no, Erin raised Erin as a lamb to the slaughter, um, and that's a whole psychological mess of Erin, some of which I can't go into until the show finishes. Um, it's so hard to, to dissect that. But Grisha is a very tragic character because he just wanted, what one, what was best for Eldia and his people. You know, he, he wanted his people to be free, something Erin can very much relate to, the whole subjugation. It's not fair the way Eldians are treated. But more importantly, he wanted a better world for his sons. And that is something that all fathers want. And that is where, yes, he was a bad father on the surface. 
but he wasn't deep down because all he wanted was a better world, a better tomorrow for his children. He wanted them to grow up, be happy and live good lives. And, you know, he was interested when Eren wanted to join the Scouts and all this sort of stuff, but that wasn't his influence. He was proud of his son for, for wanting to be free and potentially wanting to fight for Eldia, potentially you know, wanted to venture outside the walls and see the world. Human curiosity, he was proud. He thought the Scouts were special chosen ones. That's genuinely what he believed of the Scouts. He, he saw them as a symbol of human creativity and imagination not dying, still being free. So Eren wanted to do that. He was proud of his son, but he never forced him into it. He, he genuinely just wanted whatever was best for his son. And if, if that was the Scouts, he was going to let Eren, you know, go do that. Um... And that's the very important thing. He genuinely just wanted what was better. And he was a good father. I mean, look at how he looked after Mikasa. You know, it's clear he had somewhat of a bond with Armin as well. Like, he, he was respected. He was a good man. He was a doctor. He says in this episode, you know, I just want to help people, not kill people. He, this, this whole thing, he never wanted to hurt anyone. And the irony of that being <laughs> when Kruger... Kruger, very quotation marks there, because, I mean, was it him? No. When Kruger makes him the attack titan, not really giving him a choice. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> it wasn't Kruger, though, was it? It was very much Eren. Not Eren Kruger, as in Eren Jaeger. And, ah, oh, Eren, I just, mm, soon, soon I will go into how much I love him, because... Maybe I shouldn't at this point, and that's the th that's the thing. Maybe I shouldn't love him at this point because what he's doing is wrong. It's fucked up. It's messed up. It's cruel. But I mean, I'll try my best to defend him because um, I can still see it from his perspective, as I always do. Because I'm very much like him, too much like him, exactly like him, and I love him very dearly. Um, oh God, I just <laughs> oh, but Grisha, yeah, no, that scene. It, the end after after he's uh, killed the Rice family where he's just breaking down man he's having a full on breakdown just screaming the animation from Mappa is incredible by the way because in the manga he just sort of falls to his knees and cries which obviously I'm not saying that like it's a bad thing but that's all that sort of happens in the manga Mappa's sort of the emotion they add to the movements and the dynamics of him flailing around in agony mental torture as the voice actor just gives a 10 out of 10 performance, showing the grief and pain that Grisha is in, not only of having just murdered an entire family, but at the psychological breaking point that Eren is putting through, seeing what Eren will become, because Eren hasn't shown him everything. He's shown him glimpses of what he will become and what he will do. He, Grisha hasn't seen the rumbling. He doesn't know the end game, but he knows something big is coming and Eren is planning it and he's terrified. And, and just seeing that and seeing the fear in his eyes of his own son, the monster he created, it's, oh, it's such a beautiful, powerful scene. It's so good, so raw. And it's just incredible. And if you go back to season three, where you see the episode of, you know, Grisha's story when he came inside the walls, there's a bit at the end where, you know, he asks Eren, because obviously this is now taking place just after the walls have been broken, Eren, what, where's Carla? What's happened? This is just before he makes Eren a titan. And um, Eren obviously explains that she's been eaten. And Grisha takes, he sort of says, 
uh, you will avenge her. I know you are saying along those lines. And obviously at the time it just seems like affirmation from a father. Now you realise that he knows that Erin will. Erin has this plan to avenge Carla's death. You realise he's telling his son that. And one of my favourite things is a lot of people wonder why Grisha, having seen what Erin's done or going to do or, you know, whatever, would still give Erin the attack and founding Titan. And the thing about that is that Grisha knows more than anyone, you can't change the future. The future is already predetermined. Especially in the way Attack on Titan's universe works, it's very much a case of the future is set in stone. There's a set events that have to happen. Arian had this realisation when Sasha died that he couldn't change what was to come. That was his moment of, oh shit, nothing can change. So Grisha knows he has to give Arian the Attack Titan and the Founding Titan because that is what history demands. Um, or the future demand, it's really weird to think about it. Um, and not only that, but if he doesn't give Eren the attack titan, then Eren never gets to the place where he is in the past, so he never manipulates Grisha in the first place, so Grisha passes on these titans to his son as he always planned. So the butterfly effect of trying to stop what was going to happen just makes it happen. And then the other side of it is Eren obviously has the founding titan, so he can just mind control uh, Grisha to give it to Eren. There's no way Grisha can avoid Eren getting the attack and founding Titan. It's his destiny, it's his set path. He cannot... Eren cannot be avoided. And <laughs> partially because the future's set in stone, but also because Eren has set these events into motion from the very beginning, because he is the absolute goat of anime, the absolute best written main character ever. Just the best character ever. He's absolutely god-tier plays. He's playing chess while everyone else is playing snakes and ladders. He is playing fifth dimensional chess. He's not even regular chess. Eren is 15 steps ahead. And that is an understatement. 15 million steps ahead. He was playing the game before anyone else even knew that the game existed. And oh my god, Eren Jaeger, you are... <clears throat> Thank you for just being the best thing to ever happen to fiction. And oh my god, I... <sighs> Let you take a breather because, I mean, we've got to do our sponsors, which of course, this week is shop.sigilarts.com. That is Sigil Shop. That is a place where you can get all your merch for your favourite uh, content creators at the Sigil Network, including my Failureware collection or the especially the Attack on Failure hoodie. Uh, very good quality hoodie. Everyone who's got there so far has been very happy with it. Um, it looks great, it feels great, it keeps you warm. Absolutely top tier hoodie. Um, and it's Attack on Titan. Join the Fairly Corps today and be the worst soldiers for Paradise Island. You may get eaten by a Titan, but it'll be funny. Um, <laughs> I also take this moment, obviously, to shout out the uh, show Twitter page, which is uh, at You Have Failed SV on Twitter. It's a really great place to. Uh, Keep up to date with the show, when episodes are coming out, if they're not coming out, if they're going to be delayed. I posted a tweet yesterday saying this episode might come up a couple of days late. It's not, it's coming up today, so sometimes the f it's factually inaccurate, but that's all part of failing. Um, what else? What else does this show do? Just a twist do. It's a great way to interact with the show as well, because I'm now going to be doing weekly questions that people can answer, and it will be absolutely fantastic. Um, I need to think of one on the spot, so um, I'm going to keep talking for a little bit. So also follow my private Twitter. That sounds much weirder than it is, but it's not like an OnlyFans. It's just my, my personal Twitter page, is at uh, Vader Saiyan. I'm pretty sure the name on there currently is Saiyan Jaeger, because obviously Attack on Titans out, why would I not? 
Um, but at Vader saying, it's a good way to keep up to date with me or my wacky Attack on Titan antics and any other weird stuff that I decide to post. It's normally quite funny. I think you'll like it. It's great. And this week's, this week's question is, if you could be any of the nine Titan shifters, which would you be and why? Mine... Oh, see, everyone, everyone always thinks that mine's going to be the Attack Titan, and it's great. And it probably is. I <laughs> it's so hard. Right, I'm, I've, I'm always really stuck between two. It's either the Attack Titan or the Armoured. And I have to think that, obviously, part of my love for the Attack Titan definitely comes from my love for Eren. But also, the idea of being able to see the future, it's pretty cool, and, you know, see the past, memory, see the future... But then you can't really use it in the same way Eren can because you don't have the founding. And then other than that, the Attack Titan is just pretty basic. And the Armour Titan does look really cool. And it's probably got the best defences other than the Warhammer. But the Warhammer's just unplug the extension. Sorry, excuse me. Unplug the extension cable and it dies. So I don't really know. I'd have to... Armoured on the attack for me. If I had to really pick... I'd probably say Armoured, but the attack is a very close second. Um, so yeah, let me know on Twitter or on the Discord. The link to that is the pinned tweet on my personal Twitter page. Uh, I might tweet it out on both the pages later anyway. Um, let me know the Discord server. Um, what Titan would you be and why? Um, yeah, cool. Back to the episode proper. And Aaron Yeager is a goat. I love him so fucking much. He's the best thing to ever happen to fiction. He's a psycho, but he's lovely and he needs a hug. Can you tell I like Aaron Yeager? Can you tell I think he's the absolute goat of anime? Um, oh, he's just incredible. And this episode finally shows that he's ahead of the game. He made the game and no one even knew they were playing the game. He's been there from the start. He's been in people's heads. He's been manipulating events from the start, putting things where they needed to be so he got where he needed to be. And, oh my God, is he just the most incredible thing ever. He's just... I'd, like, so, yeah, he didn't manipulate Grisha to be cruel to Zeke, but he manipulated the Owl, who was Eren Kruger, who was the leader of the Restorationists, to put Grisha in that situation. When Grisha was talking to Kruger on the top, he even said, you know, keep pushing forward even until you die, even after you die, which is exactly what Eren says to him here. Literally, the conversation between Kruger and Grisha and Eren and Grisha, it's almost identical in terms of telling him to get up, fight, even until death, even after death, this, that, and that. And obviously, when he says you have to do this to save Mikasa and Armin, that is Eren breathing down Kruger's neck, telling him to give Grisha the attack titan. <laughs> he's pushed from the very beginning for all of this to happen. He has been at all those previous events, and now I've seen it fully animated. Maybe those those figures we do see in the early seasons of Attack on Titan were Eren. Maybe they weren't. Maybe they were. It doesn't matter. He has been there from the start. And when I say from the start, I mean from the start. Next week's episode, you know, from you 2,000 years ago, Eren has been there from the start. The Attack Titan, I am 100% convinced, was made... For Eren Jaeger. Like, there's no way it wasn't. And Amir, who obviously we'll find more out more about next episode, so I won't say too much, she definitely... She's... Oh, I feel like I can say it now, and it's not too much of a spoiler. 
but she's been obviously the one calling Erin from the start. The original episode and chapter being, you know, to you 2,000 years from now is very much her calling to Erin. And this is where the next episode will be where obviously he finally, he's got to her now. The message that she's been sending him from the start, he is the one she's been calling there because he is the one that will do what he's got to do. It's as far as I'll go with that. Um, so the Attack Titan, you know, is it... I've, I've said this in the podcast before, but I can now finally talk about this. Isn't it, like, properly, isn't it suspicious that the Attack Titan, other than future memories, has no discernible traits other than its desire, its burning desire to fight for freedom. Grisha even says so in this episode, you know. He thinks that the whole purpose of the Attack Titan is to come and oppose the king, fight for freedom and take the founder. Do you not find that incredibly suspicious? Because that's not just chance. That's not random. What that is, is Eren Jaeger. Eren has been manipulating it from the start. I don't think the Attack Titan was made for Eren. I think Eren made the Attack Titan what it is. He has manipulated Attack Titan holders from the very beginning. I mean, look at it. I mentioned this before. I'll mention it again. The Attack Titans always have green eyes. Eren has green eyes. He has been fighting for freedom from the start. He is the reason the Attack Titan has such a burning desire to fight for freedom because he has literally been manipulating this from the beginning. He has been manipulating his own life. I say there's some things I still can't say. Because it, it... Eventually, I can fully break down this idea. Bit by bit, I'm allowed to drip feed you this side of the story but oh my god Erin he's just been in control the whole time and that's what I love about it he's got the best poker face ever because at the start of the episode he's like oh I see now I never should have been born I'm not brainwashed anymore can we go now like that was obviously blatantly a lie but he did that fake lie so that when he had his poker face going for the rest of this game no one noticed Zeke didn't realize that he was getting played the entire time and Erin is just the ultimate embodiment of just... I don't even know at this point. Human desire. He can't be stopped. He is willing to put everything in motion just to achieve his one goal. He still is the ultimate embodiment of humanity, but he's something else at this point. Levi even comments on this in season one. Erin, Levi knew from season one. It's only almost, you know, I can see now, he really is a monster. No matter what cage you're in, no matter how much, you know, you try and hold him back, he can't be subdued by anybody. He can't be contained. Levi knew this from season one. Erin can't be stopped. Erin can't be held back. Erin can not be held down. Erin will always get up and keep fighting. That is who he is. He keeps moving forward. He is that monster that will just keep pushing, moving forward, fighting for freedom. He has this burning desire. He can't be caged. That is the thing with Erin. He will do anything for freedom, even if it means taking away someone else's first. And yes, I know before I said he'd never remove someone else's freedom. He wouldn't. He wouldn't remove someone's freedom of choice. He wouldn't remove someone's freedom to fight back. However, he will take their life, which he regards as freedom, if he has to, if it means he gets his. And this is where you start to see the true price of freedom and the true cost of freedom and what freedom really is. Is freedom real? 
Probably not. And this goes back to Kenny in season three. You know, everyone is drunk on something. Everyone has to spend their life drunk on an idea. A slave to an idea. Erin is a slave to freedom. Erin is drunk on freedom. And it's these unachievable dreams that keep people going. And that is where Erin, and Attack on Titan in general, but Erin in particular, is the sad reality of human existence. It's that dream that you always strive for and it's always just that one step out of reach, you know. Like, you'll never reach tomorrow because tomorrow never comes. That is what, that is what base humanity is. It's reaching for something. Just having that something to keep you going, to keep you moving forward. Erin is, is the epitome of that human desire. Freedom is always just a step away. Because have you really achieved freedom if you've had to kill and take other people's freedom, which is equated to life in Attack on Titan, from them? No, Erin knows this. Erin knows that that's not real freedom. Erin knows that... He knows it's wrong. And whilst, obviously, he'd never oppress people, so he'd never remove their freedom of choice, he will remove their lives, which is the same thing. And he knows that. And that's where he's very complicated, because he'd never go, no, you can't do this, I'm going to oppress you, you're not allowed to be free. But he'll kill you if you stand in the way of his freedom. And yeah, he'll feel bad about doing it, but when freedom's all that matters, he can't be stopped. He can't be caged, he can't be contained. This is Eren fucking Jaeger. He is freedom. He's human. He's going for that unachievable dream. He's a slave to freedom. The irony being, he's never free because he's a slave to freedom itself. More on that later. And by that, I mean in later episodes. You keep that in mind as you watch Attack on Titan. Eren is a slave to freedom. He is bound by the chains of freedom. Oh, this show is so good. Eren is so good. It's, well... <laughs> Not morally good, but very well written. I just, I, he is the Attack Titan. The Attack Titan is him. They were made to be together because they are the same. Eren has manipulated these events from the very beginning to achieve his freedom. He doesn't care what he has to do to achieve it. He, well, he has some limits. He'd never actually hurt me. But we'll get to that. That comes later. Their love story doesn't matter right now. It does. It's the whole driving point in the show. But that's not... Oh my god, I'm actually just... It's so good. Like, you can't... It's so good. This show is so good. Eren Jaeger is such a well-written character. He's been... Kruger, Grisha, all the other Attack Titan holders, even his younger self. Eren has manipulated. All for freedom. And that human desire, that unwillingness to be caged. The wings of freedom. You know, he will fly above the sky. He he will he will be free. He refuses to just sit down and accept what is when he can change it. He really is incredible. He is humanity's desire for something more, something that maybe he'll never achieve because freedom in that respect is a lie. The wings of freedom are great, but it's idealistic. It, it's not real. Irving said himself, humans will never stop fighting and until there's one or less. Erin knows this all too well. He knows that people are the problem. 
people can never be free because there will always be someone trying to steal your freedom, always someone trying to be bigger and better than the last person. That's human nature. You see it in the real world. We're constantly being told what we can and can't do, and as soon as one person leaves power, the next person steps up and does the same thing. Erin and Attack on Titan, to the fuller extent, is a meta-commentary on life and the lives we live. We're all sheep. We're all cattle. And, you know, I, I couldn't relate to Erin more. I, it's so hard to explain because it's just how I feel and how I think. And yes, I've probably got the psychotic tendencies. I'm not denying that. Maybe I shouldn't be admitting that on a podcast, but I know I do. But Erin is the same as me. I'm the same as Erin. And I can see that, just that burning desire to fight, to do what it takes to make the world a better place, but also realising that you can't do that as long as people are around. Erin is the most complex character I think you're ever going to see because his morals intertwine and directly conflict with his actions and his beliefs and and all three of them make him so very interesting because he doesn't want to kill people and remove their freedom but he has to to ensure his own but he also knows that that's not really freedom but he also knows that freedom isn't truly attainable while people are there but then that's just more killing more freedom removed and it's just a vicious cycle However, the one thing, the one thing we do have to remember, and I, obviously we're not entirely sure what events and what things Erin directly influenced, and I'm pretty sure Kruger's whole, you have to love someone inside the walls, that's the only way to break the cycle. That's not an Erin thing to have said. I genuinely believe that was Kruger himself. Um, but maybe it wasn't. And maybe... Erin's love for Mikasa is the most powerful thing to him. It really is. You can see it back in season two where, you know, he's given up the will to live. That's why he's not healing as a shifter and that's why he can't transform as as the uh, smiling titan eats Hannes. It's not until Mikasa tells him that this world is so cruel but still beautiful and thanks him for wrapping the scarf around him that he finds that will to fight and will to live again. Mikasa is his entire reason to fight, is his entire reason to live. She will push him like no one else will to fight, live, survive, just to keep her safe and wrap that scarf around her. So Eren's telling Grisha to find someone to love wasn't a selfish thing. It was helping Grisha be happy. It was helping his father find happiness, even whilst coming to terms with everything he's done and everything he will do. Because I don't think Eren really is that cruel. Eren does believe in love. And yes, whilst the whole find love thing plays a bigger part in the series, as I say, Eren and Mikasa, their love is what drives Eren and drives Mikasa, the two obviously big characters. But I do think genuinely in that moment he was telling his father to at least find happiness within the walls while you can because he didn't want his father to suffer that much he, he's behind closed doors Eren is still Eren he's still loving he's still caring yes he's still psychotic but he's not cold he's not a sociopath and he doesn't believe all of this killing is necessary well it is necessary he doesn't believe it's all good he just believes it's it's the only option he has because I mean you can even see it you know the, the end of the opening the rumbling 
at the end you see that footprint crushing crushing a butterfly. If you watch this episode, baby Erin is chasing the same butterfly, so it's heavily implied that he's the one that killed that butterfly. Which, you know, is a, is a hint at his unhinged psychotic nature that's always been there. Like he told Zeke, but Zeke wouldn't believe him, Erin has always been the way he is. He has never and will never change, that is just who Erin Jaeger is. But it doesn't mean that, yes, he has unhinged psychotic tendencies. It doesn't mean that he's a bad person. I think genuinely he does care. He he is a hero in disguise. He I put out a tweet the other day and it's it's true. He's a broken hero, and that is what makes him so goddamn dangerous. Cause it's when a hero becomes unhinged that they lose it. And they're the most dangerous kind of villains. But deep down, behind closed doors, you can see it when he's in his Titan form, he shows vulnerability again. When people aren't looking, he shows it. And I think it was genuinely him talking through Kruger, telling Grisha to find love inside the walls. Because he wanted his father to at least be happy while he could. And it was a message to himself to find love. And Eren, of course, loved Mikasa. Still loves Mikasa. And Mikasa clearly loves him. Attack on Titan really is the most beautiful story ever written. Eren Jaeger is, is the most complex, epic, brutal and tragic and, of course, beautiful of all characters. The story is wrapping up very soon. This is, what, episode 79? So it's the third, fourth episode? I want to say the fourth episode in, in what we've seen so far. It might be the third. I can't really remember how many weeks of it we've had so far. Let me just uh, quickly check. Yeah, it was the fourth of this season, which means we've got eight episodes of Attack on Titan left. Eight more episodes of these characters and this beautiful story, and yeah, I'm very upset. I, I don't want it to end. Oh, sorry, excuse me again. I've got the hiccups, apparently. I don't want it to end. But it's going to, and we've got to enjoy it while we can, and yeah, I'm going to be depressed, and uh, I'm probably just going to have to rewatch it over and over again so I can still see these characters and know they're still there. Um... Eight episodes of it left, and, and it really is the most beautiful story ever written, and the most complex and incredible. I refuse to believe otherwise, and uh, yeah, Attack on Titan, you haven't failed. Erin, you have not failed. I, I love you, and I <laughs> so many good things to come. So thank you so much for listening, guys. I really do appreciate it, and uh, I'll speak to you next time. See you later, guys.